Good morning, church. Great to see all of you. Terrence and I are super honored just to get the opportunity to preach the word for all of you. On behalf of all of the campus, really just want to give a heartfelt thank you just to everyone supporting us and pouring into us. And we're just super grateful just to be able to have had a campus-led service. So for today, we're going to be continuing on our sermon series of Jesus in Action. And we're going to be looking at how Jesus taught us to pray. So what we want to put before you is that through prayer, heaven and earth collide in an incredible way. To look at how they collide, first we have to consider why they are largely separate. There are a lot of views on what heaven is, and the objective of this sermon is not to fully flesh that out. But when we speak of heaven, we want you to think about the realm in which God's power and authority is on display in an uninterrupted way. Where God's will is enacted and where his throne resides. Starting with Adam and Eve here on earth, we've largely chosen to compete with God's will. Often enacting our own or looking to take inspiration from the other spiritual forces here on earth. This is why we have to be intentional and choose to submit to God. Because though the world is sustained by and through him, we often choose rebellion. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 9 through 13. And we're going to look at how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And let's see what God brings to the forefront as we examine it. The prayer in this passage is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. For some context, it appears here in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, which is really the stage where Jesus sets up a lot of what he's going to do in the rest of his ministry. He gives a lot of important teachings that are central to the way he lives his life. And in addition to being here in the Sermon on the Mount, we also see in Luke 11, where the disciples ask him to teach them how to pray. We see different pieces of this prayer displayed prominently in the other Gospels of Mark and John. And here, starting in verse 9, it reads, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When we think about how Jesus laid out his prayer, it was really teaching us how to like glorify God when we go to God in prayer. How we should be communing with God. Anytime we take the time to go to prayer, it's a time meant to be spent communing with our Heavenly Father. I found that a challenge for us as children is viewing God's character on earth as it is in heaven. The challenge is keeping a balance. I know for myself, you know, I can cling more to, like, the truth, and it can be hard for me to accept the grace of God at, at certain points in my life, you know. But what God, what Jesus wants us to know is, like, throughout his life, he died and paid the price for that, and we should yield to that. Don't be confident in your own righteousness. Be confident in the righteousness of God. When we look at the, the lines in this prayer, Jesus was revealing like his attitude that we should take when we are going into prayer, how we should address him as holy father. What type of father would you say God is to you? How would you describe how he treats his children? The term hollow means to be set apart, to be holy. God is the perfect father. Heavenly father who knows exactly how to care and discipline his children. When we read through scripture, we can see that God is continuously seeking a relationship with all of humanity. 
In Acts 17, we learn that he creates the times and the boundaries of the land from one man. Like Alamine brought up earlier about Adam and Eve, he's made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. One of my favorite parables is about the lost son in Luke 15. We see that there was a father who had two sons, the younger one who would ask for his inheritance in full and squander it in wild living. When he lost everything, he learned that he was not ready for his inheritance and he returned home. The Bible says that the father was filled with compassion and he opened his arms as he arrived, killed the fattened calf and threw a party. When we go to God in prayer, how come we don't expect him to react the same way when one to commune with us? God is working to grasp the attention of his people, but he also leaves room for them to decide whether or not they will like to be his children and learn to become totally dependent on him with their lives. I found that the challenge is even when we choose God's love, it can be sometimes easy to forget where we come from before we accept it, his inexpressible love. Where did he take you from? Think, think back today. Where did he take you from? Re-energize yourself. What, what was the thing that brought you closer to him? Allow that to really motivate you to continue to talk, to have that ongoing conversation with him in prayer. He is looking to connect and build a relationship with us as his children. And if we, if we are to be his children, we have to learn what it means to be totally dependent on him. In the areas where we are weak, God is strong. Where we are imperfect, God is perfect. Where we are powerless, God is powerful. We should be looking to address God in both awe and in gratitude, in both reverence and in love. How would you say you tend to see God? What are the things you would need to work to get a balanced view of God? It could be so easy to approach God, like I mentioned earlier, in that lopsided fashion. But it says in Psalm 116.5, it says that the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. He's gracious, gracious and righteous and full of compassion. Do we think that the father that was in the parable was looking to be a bad father to his sons? Was he looking to meet their needs and then some? God is looking to provide us with our daily needs and provide you with even more than you can imagine. He deserves for us to live in deep reverence for him, being constantly aware of how in the ways how he's working. When we go to go to prayer, we should be looking for looking to pray through the lenses of his will, through the lenses of his love as presented in the Lord's prayer. When we are able to play, pray with a balanced view of God, we are able to come to him correct. Jesus had this balanced and complete view of God that Terrence was describing. The instructions written here on prayer are convictions that Jesus lived out in the Gospels. Jesus was the ultimate example of heaven and earth colliding in an individual. In humility, Jesus experienced pain, hunger, weakness, betrayal, and temptation like we have. Yet through his closeness to the Father and reliance on his power... Things that weren't seen on earth happened in his presence. The blind received sight. People walked on water. People were raised from the dead. Kings trembled. Those who were forsaken to the outskirts of society were folded back in. People who never thought they were worthy of love or attention received it. Having a balanced and full view of God like him is the key to doing the same within our own lives. You might have a hard time healing someone blind from birth. But you can give vision to someone blinded by the patterns of this world. 
You might not be able to walk on water, but you can walk with someone and bring them to the living water that is Christ. The power to raise the deceased might not reside within you, but the spirit that does reside within can use you as an instrument to save someone else from their spiritual death. God is so holy, perfect, powerful, special, and distinct, yet instead of pulling away, he's looking to connect and build family. Therefore, there can be unity and partnership between us and him. And we already know this. Through death to sin and baptism, we are raised just as he was and are united in our new life by faith. We've received adoption into God's family. Romans 8, verses 14 through 17 read, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Having read that, I think it shows that unity with God does not just mean having our sins forgiven. To be united is to be one in purpose. To be led by and walk in step with the Spirit, seeing his power despite our weakness. As his children, we are sustained by his daily bread that our Heavenly Father provides. And so we forgive in the perfect way that God forgives despite our imperfection. To be led by him is to escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. And praying in the way that Jesus describes here really equips us and brings these heavenly realities to the forefront so that we can better experience and imitate God. When you are overwhelmed, to the point that you think you might even die, do you pray for God's will to be done on, heaven, on earth as it is in heaven? Jesus prays something very similar in the Garden of Gethsemane. When we feel like we're at the end of our rope or that there's not enough to go around the table, do we just cut our losses or do we proceed with thanksgiving, watching in awe as God attends to the 5,000 different situations that demand our attention? When somebody wrongs us, are we eager to pick up verbal stones? Or do we recognize that only he who is without sin can condemn? These are scenarios in which we need heaven here on earth. This is where the, our perspective needs to mirror the ones Jesus reveals in this prayer. In the times that we feel like we can't, we need to be confident that he can. We need to remember the power and majesty of him who calls us to be his family. In 2 Peter chapter 1, looking in verses 2 through 4, it reads, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. I really want us to take some time to really love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and your soul. And to love your neighbor as your strength. Oh, with all your strength. As yourself. Why well, I keep saying that? But anyways. But yeah. So what it's saying is like prayer is not all about us. You know, we have to continuously be looking to pray for our brothers and sisters and pray for those in need. 
You know, we, it talks about he, he providing us with our daily bread, but we have to be looking for the daily bread of others as well. So what I want to, like, bring to our attention, like, always be looking to be a light and be reconciled inside the fellowship and outside the fellowship when I said that. In Philippians 2, 5, 11, it says, in your relationship, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, meaning always to remember love. Jesus said that we will be recognized as his disciples by how we love. Jesus is teaching us that our prayers should include the transformation in how we live as well as the tr- transformation that God desires to take place in those around us. How much do we pray for the world to go in prayer? You know, Jesus was a, a great teacher. And what made him a great teacher is that he practiced what he preached. You know, in John 17, Jesus prayed for himself, his disciples, and all his believers. In his prayer to the believers, he prayed for the believers to be one, just as the Father is one. It is such a blessing to be a part of this great community. When I look out every week, you know, I, you may see me ushering doing that things. I look forward to those moments, you know. As a collective, I want to challenge us, though. Like, when we go to prayer, do we pray for this family to be unified? Do we have the same vision as Jesus Christ when he went to pray about um, his believers? As we close out, I want to ask, how much do you think you can actually be like Jesus? We hope that as we gain perspective from the scriptures, we realize that we too can participate in the divine nature. Through God, prayer can align our will with his. God is able to speak through us. He's able to do things on earth that can only be seen in heaven. He can heal, strengthen, and bring order, love, unity, and community in a way that is very foreign here on earth. Heaven and earth are different, but prayer bridges the gap by bringing heavenly perspectives and power down here to earth. What is the limiting factor on your ability to imitate Jesus in this way? Are you hesitant in being reliant on God? Do you struggle with forgiveness? Or maybe it's difficult for you to reconcile that the holy God of all creation is looking to know and partner with you intimately. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are the great I am, the ancient of days, the Alpha and the Omega. You have made the heavens and earth, and as the author of life, you alone truly understand it. Glorify your name within our hearts and make your power known. Allow us to draw sustenance from you and look towards you to meet our most fundamental needs as beloved children of the Almighty. Lord, we know that in our imperfections, we have sinned. We have fallen short of your glory and need you to lead us into holistic deliverance. We pray also that you would empower us to do the same and to be your hands and feet, living out the truths of your heavenly kingdom while in our mortal shells here on earth. We thank you for blessing this time and look forward to all you will enact moving forward. All this we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.